Good evening, Bengals fans, and thank you for tuning in to Adam's Bengals Hour. Welcome to the jungle. Folks, well, today we have a very, very insightful episode, and that is for one reason. I recorded the first bit yesterday, and then after today, and reading some rumors, especially around John Ross, I said, you know what? Let me tie in AJ Green and Joe Mixon's episode with a John Ross uh, talk track, but also include Andy Dalton, too. So I was like, let's just combine everything because it's all similar, and it's all going to be around a similar theme, which I did describe earlier on Twitter. But before we get into that, once again, thank you for tuning in. Very excited. This is episode three. We're moving quickly around here. Hopefully you all like it. So without further ado, let's dive into truly what I think is the Bengals' biggest priority currently. You know, we, we went through the draft, we got everyone we wanted, it sounds, and I, as a huge fan, I would agree. Now, let's tackle the next issue, and that is fleshing out our roster for 2020. And right now, as pivotal as this year is on the quarterback front, we have four key players on the offense, so very well-known players who are all in contract purgatory, where any of these players could be wearing a different jersey next year. We don't know. So let's go through them each, and I'll give you my honest take in how I feel the Bengals should best approach these contract situations. Starting off with numero uno, AJ Green. It's safe to say, if you're a Bengals fan, you're a fan of AJ Green. AJ Green has represented this franchise for the past decade on the national level, uh, which, you know, Atkins kind of butt again here and there. But certainly, A.J. Green, I would say, is the face of the franchise and has been. Now, it's been an unfortunate past two years because he's dealt with some injury issues. Uh, but largely enough, we still very much love A.J. Green. Now, let me be very clear. I'm not subjective in what I'm about to say. I only preface that as just kind of the stage. If Maybe if you're not a Bengals fan listening and you don't really understand how much he means to this franchise. Um, with that being said, though, I truly believe that A.J. Green will be franchise tagged. Because A.J. Green is still A.J. Green. That person that we saw or that we see demolish the Ravens, it's the same guy. Yes, He's a bit older, and yes, he hasn't produced in a year, but I think we all have a good enough tape on what A.J. Green can do to accurately predict how he would fare with Joe Burrow. And that goes into the overall theme of this podcast episode, which is we need to be investing in Joe's weapons and getting rid of one, or at least letting one walk so quickly away, I just don't think sends the right message to Joe and the fan base. Now, notice how I say franchise tag instead of sign long-term. To give you some context, Chad Johnson, which we also love, and I feel like him and AJ kind of largely had similar titles, approached the game in a different way, but 
the point is we traded Chad Johnson when he was 33 to the Patriots. For some of you younger fans, that was a pretty big deal. Chad showed that he was it was in the midst of kind of some question marks on Chad's character and Chad's commitment to the Bengals, of which A.J. Green really hasn't had. But certainly A.J. Green hasn't played a lot recently. But I, I but think about their ages. They're largely similar in age and productivity. When Chad went to the Patriots as a 33-year-old, he didn't have a good experience. And that was the last season he was in the NFL. Now, it is a different time, but still, with AJ's uh, AJ's injuries, you know, it isn't crazy to think that we sign him long-term and next year he gets hurt again. And then it's like, all right, I, I kind of think maybe this is the end and that's something maybe he would have to come to terms to. So what a franchise tag then does is eliminate that risk for long-term durability. And think about this. Throughout this season, while God help, hey, if we're Super Bowl competitive, we go all in. Don't get me wrong. I'm all about winning now. But, you know, a rookie year quarterback uh, winning the Super Bowl. Hey, granted, what am I saying? It's Joe Burrow. Who am I kidding? (laughs) If any rookie quarterback is going to have that type of season, it's Joe Burrow. And that's objectively speaking. Uh, But if we are not Super Bowl competitive, and there are teams who are who are looking for a wide receiver. I think it's totally then uh, a good play to give AJ Green the opportunity to be a part of a Super Bowl team because his time is running out. And I think what AJ has done for this franchise is so unbelievable, and we will forever be grateful. And that I think we as a fan base could collectively be okay with that kind of saying, "Hey, AJ." Go win a Super Bowl with, uh, you know, heck, it could be the Patriots again. Who knows? I, I'm just thinking of teams who, you know, probably midseason want that extra kind of wide receiver boost. We see it year after year. So that's my thoughts on A.J. Green and how we should approach that. Franchise tag him for the 2020 season, and then we can make the decision to either sign him long term if we feel like him and Joe are a great fit, or part ways. And let me be clear, I do understand AJ Green is already on a franchise tag in the neighborhood of, I believe, 18 million. But what I'm saying is that they keep him on the franchise tag. And in flip side, I know I've talked a lot about AJ Green's benefits in this case. I think we also are totally in our right to only give him a franchise tag. I mean, he hasn't played in a year. And the year before that, he got hurt. So you know, I think it's a mutual understanding that, hey, if you ball out with Joe, if you make a huge connection with Joe, you're obviously going to stay a bangle. But, and on the flip side, we don't want you walking until we see you with Joe on the field. So here's the agreement. You get paid like a top wide receiver in the league for a year. And if you ball out, you get a good contract. If not, someone's definitely going to take a flyer on AJ Green. He, he has earned that right, especially in a wide receiver needy uh, league it is and heck I joke we or I made the joke earlier about the Patriots but they're in the same spot they were in 2011 looking for Chad Johnson uh, trying to emulate kind of that Randy Moss flair didn't work out but certainly think something they would be willing to take a flyer on so moving forward now to Joe Mixon I think Joe's situation is the brightest out of each of these four because Joe is young enough 
and has proven enough to where I think the Bengals would be absolutely remiss if they don't try to sign Joe long-term. Uh, I get it. We're in the age of don't pay running backs, don't extend running backs after the rookie contract. But I think to approach such a massive decision with a black and white ideology, meaning like we're only going to sign, like we're not going to sign any rookie running back long-term, I think is dumb. You need to view every situation within its context. And this is the situation. We have a rookie quarterback who needs to have a running back who not only can handle the load when the rookie quarterback is maybe a little bit overwhelmed, but also pull defensive players into the box, closer to the box. That way, Joe Burrow and his wide receivers get more one-on-one looks. That is crucial for a young quarterback to have, and it is absolutely something that the Bengals need to factor in. Joe Burrow, at the end of the day, is the guy. In all decisions, what is it, all roads lead through Rome? Well, all Bengals' decisions in the 2020 offseason have to go through Joe Burrow. And I don't know why you would let either your running back sit out for the beginning of the season, especially for a rookie quarterback whose first time is on the field, uh, and not to have Joe Burrow there, I think it's just stupid. I would be very, very saddened to hear that we are no longer going to be uh, having Joe, either through a trade or through just letting him sit out and whine about it. Uh, because Joe has actually played very well. And if you're, if you're a true fan, you have seen how Joe Mixon has pumped up this team time and time again when, let's be honest, it's been a rough couple of years. So... I have to give credit where credit's due. He has been a total cheerleader for this team and everything about it and has really, in my mind, exemplified where this franchise should go, being young, being very much um, you know, good at what you do. His character record and football skill from the day he was drafted by the Bengals to now, I think has warranted, in my mind, a four-year, $55 million contract with $30 million guaranteed. And the reason why I came to this number was really simple. Le'Veon Bell last year was signed to a four-year, $52.5 million contract with $35 million guaranteed. So I don't think he should get as much guaranteed as uh, Le'Veon Bell because Le'Veon Bell has demonstrated a lot more talent than Joe Mixon. But at the same time, I think it's Joe Mixon isn't that far off with the cards he was dealt. You know, you put Joe Mixon in a Big Ben, Antonio Brown offense— Who's to say he wouldn't have Le'Veon Bell numbers, you know, at least in the ballpark. And the fact that you have to factor inflation and cap cap space increase, that's where, you know, that's why they're largely the same contract. I think if you don't believe that we should sign him long-term and you believe we should franchise tag him, I think he may sit out. I mean, we've seen it happen now. It worked out for Le'Veon Bell, not so much Melvin Gordon. So that's a decision he would have to come to terms with. But at the end of the day, I mean, that's crazily not out of the question that we franchise tag him. And I know that's what a lot of people feel like the Bengals should do. And I understand your point of view. Don't sign running backs long term. In two years, he could be dust. I get that. But in my mind, I am approaching Joe Burrow's development as priority numero uno. And Joe Mixon on the field next to Joe is better for Joe long-term, better for Joe's confidence, development, and that is not even a a question. So yeah, you're probably overpaying in the long run for a running back, but at the same time, 
I'd rather have Joe Burrow be confident and developed coming into year three and four, maybe when Joe Mixon kind of fades out of the picture, uh, than Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard out there and Giovanni Bernard somehow trying to handle the load. I mean, it's just impossible. So unless the Bengals trade for some really good running back, which I highly, highly, highly doubt, um, you know, meaning unless you have a backup plan, you stick with Joe Mixon. And I hope they do that long-term because he has proved it. Next up, we got John Ross. This one is a little bit more simple for me uh, because John is obviously on this list of four players, a guy who hasn't really proved himself yet. Um, I don't think he really warrants any long-term talk, but as a first-round rookie, for those who don't know, an organization has the ability to exercise a fifth year out of their four-year rookie contract automatically, meaning the, the player can't get out of it if they feel like it warrants it. So the benefit for a team is that they get ideally a star player on a now fifth-year type rookie contract, or at the same time, if it didn't work out, which a lot of people are saying this Ross project didn't, you could uh, just walk away you know, at the, at the end of four years. So it's an additive for the team, not so much the player. But anyways, I digress. In any other situation, if Andy Dalton was still our starting quarterback, Marvin Lewis, our, our head coach, I would say get rid of John Ross. I would say it's not worth the fifth-year option. It's not even worth a long-term plan. Just move on. You know, we, we got bigger fish to fry. We got to find a quarterback. We got to find new wide receivers and such what have you. You get that picture. We're not in that situation. We are in Joe Burrow is on a rookie contract and Joe Burrow needs speed on his receiving corpse. And right now, John Ross is the one option for that role at the receiving level is a wide receiver who can open up the top, pull the safety back. That way, AJ, you know, if he's still with us, Higgins, we can get that deep mid ball or at the very least, kind of an inside route. So he pushes the defense on the top due to his speed. And hey, if he's open, Joe Burrow then slings it for a touchdown. And that's how John um, John Ross was utilized. He had over 500 yards and I believe around 28 catches. I mean, that's insane. That means every catch of his 18 yards worth. So Zach Taylor, I truly believe, likes John Ross. And I think Zach Taylor and John Ross were on a page together. Like I said, make no mistake, 2019, John Ross, albeit was on pace for 56 receptions, but also 1,000 yards. So, you know, now that is, that is totally neglecting to look at his injury history because the reason that he didn't get to that level is because he got injured for the third straight year. But I, I think it's, it's still a risk I would be willing to take as the GM or whoever is running decisions, because the Bengals don't have a GM, Duke, Zach, maybe a committee, we exercise the fifth year. So what that gives John and Joe is the uh, comfort of mind knowing, hey, we're in this together for the next two years. Like John, put in all your work, invest in the Bengals, invest in Joe, because you're here for two years, buddy. We just made that happen. Joe, have the comfort of knowing you're going to have a speedy guy for two years. Now, that isn't to say next year we go in the draft, draft a speedy wide receiver, 
and he kind of takes Joe's spot next year or John's spot next year. I don't know. What I am saying is 2020 season, I want John Ross fully invested in being the best wide receiver he can for Joe Mixon. And I think he can do that. I mean, he was absolutely phenomenal in Washington. Yes, the injury concerns have continued, but still, people, when he's on the field, I think it's worth a bargain. So I back up because I know a lot of people are saying, well, Adam, we don't have to sign him. We don't have to exercise the fifth year. We can just sign him on sort of a cheap two to three year deal. But I still don't think that is the right move because it's too complicated. I'm a very simple person. John, we are exercising the fifth year right now. I think, by the way, this episode is being recorded on April 29th. I believe they have to uh, submit the fifth year options by May 3rd. So we're going to hear about this very quickly. Um, just give them the peace of mind. Hey, we're, we're, we want you back a fifth year. You've had some injury concerns, but we're giving you a chance. Uh, we're going to pay you 16 mil in, in 2020, but I'm, I do believe there are some pulleys you can pull to not have it be as drastic on the salary cap come 2021. If the parties don't feel like it's uh, mutually beneficial to be a part of each other. And last up, we have Andy Dalton, the guy that we all know. Young, old fan, we all know Andy. Andy has been just a tremendous guy for this franchise, truly. And I think it's been so cool to watch him and AJ grow up together, develop with each other. I mean, hey, I know we haven't won a playoff game, but with Andy, but you can't deny the, the zazz. The zazz, is that a word? just the magic he sometimes created and look before the thumb injury against the Steelers Andy trying to tackle (laughs) um he was on an MVP season that year so you know I I think all the Andy hate over the years Andy if you ever hear this we love you I know I I know the Bengals and I love you because I know the crap you've had to deal with, the mantle that you took. Remember, this was sort of a dysfunctional franchise coming off Palmer and his just total public hatred of the Bengals. He really brought us into focus. And, you know, he took us to the playoffs five straight years, 2011 through 2015. So I I will always respect you. Um, I wish last season didn't end up the way it did with us kind of treating your contract horribly and not trading you when it sounds like there were some offers and now kind of stick being stuck in limbo. So for context, if I'm the leader of the Bengals, this is how I approach Andy. I say exactly what I just said. And I say, I want you being on the sidelines like Tony Roma was for Dak Prescott and being extra eyes for Joe Burrow. We'll give you a two year million deal as a bona fide backup. There's no expectation for you to play. We just want you to help Joe develop. And the benefit for Andy is this. Look, I think Andy's career is largely over. I mean, he's old. Don't get me wrong. And maybe, look, maybe he goes to a, a new spot as a backup or starts somewhere. I don't, you know, I hope the best for him. But at the same time, he's a bit older. Eh, I say that in the Tom Brady years. I I guess I can't really say that he's a bit older. My point is this. (laughs) The reason why I bring this up is if Andy wants to get into coaching, which I don't know his plans, I think this would be a great way to get into coaching. Develop Joe Burrow. 
if you and Joe are on a rhythm, look, we bring you back as the quarterback's coach. Then maybe offensive coordinator, you know, who knows? But I'm saying Andy should start thinking long-term, you know, his life, his future, commentating, being a family guy, being a coach. And if it's a coach, why not? You get to be a part of something very special. Joe is a very special kid, Joe Burrow. And I would love to have Andy's kind of humbleness and selflessness kind of sprinkle on Joe. Because as much as we love Joe, Joe, Joe flaunts. Joe, Joe kind of has the the kind of stick on his shoulder mentality, which we all love. It makes him Joe. It makes him competitive. But I think Andy would present a good yang to his yang if you catch my drift. So two-year, $30 million contract. Pretty expensive in the short term, but just kind of as training wheels for Joe Burrow and as a final send-off. Because as I said earlier, I, I truly think the Bengals did wrong by Andy Dalton last year. And I, I really hope that Bengals don't have to end on such a sour and weird note, meaning Andy just leaves, you know, Andy just walks off. Like Andy was our guy for a decade and not a lot of organizations can say that about a quarterback. Like we had him for a decade. So um, I hope he's he's given a, a Bengals send off, but obviously though, total expectation, hey, we're here to win. Andy, you're not playing, buddy. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, really hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I try to keep these things short because I know we all have lives. And at the very least, you can uh, speed this up by two times if you want to listen to it in a quicker format. So uh, with that being said, really appreciate it. Be sure to comment on the tweet what your thoughts are on each of these contracts because we're, we're going to hear very soon how each of these four go down. And hey, whether I'm right, wrong, at the very least, I wanted to start a dialogue. So really want to hear your opinions on that. Thank you so much for listening. And I'm very excited for future episodes. Thanks so much.